0: Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the many things you bless us with. and The service already, so many blessings, and now another opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that to understand it, apply it in the right way, draw close to you through all of it, bring honor and glory to you. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. One of the events and recorded in the word of God was the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. He allowed that to be witnessed by three of the apostles, and it kind of gives us a, a little bit of a glimpse into possibly what we are going to be like. So let's look at the records of that in the Gospels and try to pick up some clues in that to, to try to kind of figure out, are we going to be like him in that time period or in that manner? Are we going to be like him when he resurrected from the dead and associated with the uh, apostles and others for some 40 days there after his ascension I mean after his resurrection or are we going to be like him when he comes down to establish the millennial kingdom or is there even going to be a different way that we're going to be for eternity let's look at some of the clues that we find in the word of God to give us a little bit more enlightenment on that but if we look at Matthew chapter 17 and we see here the first example of or I should say the first record of this transfiguration that we find in Matthew chapter 17 in verse 1. And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he had spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him." That response there, the proclamation of Jesus Christ being the Son of God, was to help emphasize the difference between him and Moses and Elias. Emphasizing that we are only to worship him, not to lift up altars to Moses or Elias, or otherwise known as Elijah. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead wasn't yet time for that to be revealed. They did reveal that later when they were instructed to reveal that. But let's look at the account recorded over in Mark in chapter 9. Picking it up in verse 2. And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them and his raiment became shining exceeding white as snow so as for as no fuller on earth can white them and there appeared unto them Elias and Mo- with Moses and they were talking with Jesus and Peter answered and said to Jesus master it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were so afraid. I like the way Mark points out here about Peter, like he wist not. He didn't know what to say, so he said that. Because many times Peter would speak before thinking. This is one of those times he displayed that. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man any anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what he, what the raising from the dead should mean. He told him over and over about his resurrection, but they didn't comprehend it until they saw the actual resurrection. All right, now turn over to Luke in chapter 9. And we can see here the record of this event taking place in Luke chapter 9. Picking it up in verse twenty eight. And it came to pass about and eight days after these things he took Peter and James excuse me, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to Be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen, instructed to, and did that. They went by what the Lord told them, that experience, and to see Moses and Elijah. Some have misunderstood that transfiguration experience and have said that in the last days, we read about the two witnesses, that the two witnesses are going to be Moses and Elias, because they were the two that appeared before them there on the Mount of Transfiguration. But other scholars, of whom I believe are accurate, have said that the two during the tribulation time are going to be Elijah and Enoch. Because those are the two men that have never died. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, ascended up, raptured. And of course, Enoch was the very first one to be raptured up. And it makes more sense that the two witnesses should be on either side of the flood. Enoch being prior to the flood and all the experiences the way the world was prior to the flood and being as close to God as he was. And the fact that he didn't never die. And then, of course, Elijah, after the flood and all the experiences and the things that were given to him. So those two people would be a better witness. And the fact that they never died, they were raptured up. And we know the Word of God tells us that everyone is going to die. For it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Those two men have never died. So they've gone to come down and will die at the midpoint of the tribulation time when they are killed and left laying in the streets for three days and then they're given their glorified bodies, they rise up and ascend up to the Father. So in that, it makes more sense that it's not going to be Moses and Elijah. It's going to be Enoch and Elijah as the two witnesses during the tribulation time. A little side note there through all this here. But now if you will turn to Second Peter in chapter 1 and pick it up in verse 16 here. A statement of Peter, when he's doing some preaching and teaching, proclaiming the authority that he has to speak what he says and what he has told him. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. See, they heard that themselves, personally heard that. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. That Mount of Transfiguration is what he's speaking of there. And it's also interesting to see how when the Lord came down, humbled himself to the point of taking on flesh to live amongst us, that he came in such a meek manner and that he come riding in that last week of passion into Jerusalem on that donkey and in that human form that could be brutalized, tortured, and killed on that cross, and to see what he's going to be like later. That transfiguration was a little bit of a clue as to what he might be like. And then we see in the Gospels recorded when he appears before them, how he interacts with them and even has a meal with them. Over in John, the Gospel of John, now this is after his resurrection. We don't have a lot of details about him after his resurrection, but we know that he stuck around some 40 days preaching and teaching before he ascended, ascended to the Father. But over in John chapter 21, the apostles went out to go fishing which shows us that even though you've got the great commission to go out and preach and teach the gospel, to spread the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as they were given, that every once in a while you still take time out to go fishing. And this experience is recorded in John chapter 21. Let's just pick it up in verse 5. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he came unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came a little... In a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. So the Lord, sitting there on a the bank, preparing this little lunch for them, and some fish, and some bread, and so forth, showing how He can interact with them with His glorified body. Because this is after his resurrection from the dead. All right, Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and a hundred and fifty and three. And, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples doest ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? That way, interacting with them, in that glorified body that He has. And we know that we are going to come with the Lord and be with Him during the millennial period and interacting with the people that are here on the planet for that thousand years. So we're going to have to have a body, probably like He used when He appeared to them after His resurrection and interact with people, even at a point that we would be able to eat something as He displayed to them when He met with them in the upper room, how He ate he ate there in front of them and here how He prepared that meal for them, being able to interact with them. Because that's, it's so important that we be able to interact with the people of the world during that time because that's the purpose that we're going to have. We're actually going to be considered priests and kings but if we'll turn over to revelation chapter 1 we see some other examples of what Jesus is like to John when John was given the vision and the experience of the revelation of Jesus Christ as recorded in the book of revelation in revelation chapter 1 picking it up in verse 10 it reads, I was in the Spirit, this is John, the Apostle John, on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia and unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea.' And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paths with a golden girdle. His head was see me? His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. As if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I. Am the first and the last. Of course that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can say that. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He has the keys. He has the power. He has the authority of judgment. The ultimate judge. As we see in Revelation chapter 19. The next Description of the image of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 19, picking it up in verse 11. And I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, as we see recorded in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. These armies are those that have passed away that are born again Christians that are coming back with Him to establish the millennial kingdom. And out of His mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it He should smite the nations and He he shall rule them with a rod of iron and He treadeth the wine presses of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And He had on His vesture and on His thigh a name written... King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that ye ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. That image that he saw that experience that he had. And we see over in chapter 20 in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath pardoned the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So we will reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years during what we know as the millennial kingdom, the millennial period. That millennial means thousand, that time period. So we will have to have a body that can interact with others during that time period. We don't know exactly what we are going to be like, but we do know that we are going to be like Jesus Christ. We see the example of those that are riding on horses coming with him in the armies. We've been given that. We've been given examples of, and records of how Jesus Christ interacted with others throughout the experiences that they had, seeing all that. It's got to be a wondrous thing to go through. But also we see over in 1 John, in chapter 3, small epistle of John, 1 John chapter 3, This is the one that gives us a clue that we might be going through various changes of body. We know that this body that we have now is a corruptible body. We've been told that we will not have this corruptible body and enter into the kingdom of God with this corruptible body. We'll be transfigured into a new body, which we'll read about. But here we see a clue about the changing of our bodies. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. As we see in the small epistle of John in chapter 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Sons and daughters, of course. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. It doesn't yet appear. John is writing this. John saw Jesus Christ in the transfiguration. John saw Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead, right before his ascension, all the way to that point. He saw him, interacted with him, that 40 days. But here it says, it did not yet appear. So he's not certain exactly what it's going to be like. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We will be like Him. So however He chooses to be, in whatever stage of the future that there is, He is going to allow His brothers and sisters in Christ His family to be like him. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So we need to live by his example. We need to walk like he walked, act like he acted, and know that we are going to be like him. And that is so awesome that he, the one who spoke everything into existence, with all his abilities to change himself into whatever form he wants to change himself, is going to allow us to be like him through the various stages that we have to look forward to in the future. Because this time is just a flash. This time is a vapor and wind, as James talks about. But as we said over in 1 Corinthians, we see a little bit more of how we got to change. This body cannot endure the work that we have ahead for us to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a place that people go to so often concerning our receiving of a glorified body, in picking it up in verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 reads Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be, me, we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. That's quicker than a blink of an eye. At the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, corruptible means can wither away, decay, rot, diminish, like the bodies we have now. We cannot have this kind of body. It will not endure... It's not strong enough, it's not capable of doing what needs to be done in the next phases that we have ahead of us. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That means a body that will not die, an eternal body. For when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord." So we're instructed to keep at it, to keep working, to know that we are going to be like Him. That is so awesome that we don't know exactly what we're going to be like, but we know that we're going to be like Him. And it's going to be happening so quickly. And we know the future for Christians, the next major prophetic event to occur is the rapture of the church. When we get raptured up to Him, then we enter into the judgment seat of Christ, where we all be judged and everyone will be looked at. And everybody's works will be considered. What have you done with what He has blessed you with since you become a born-again Christian? And dependent upon what you have done for Him would be determined what place you have. Because there's different positions. Because He said priests and kings. Not just all priests, not just all kings, but priests and kings. And these different positions of authority, different positions given to us during the millennial period to rule and reign with him for that thousand years determined by the judgment that we go through and then at the end of that millennial period when he destroys all of this existence all of the physical world of all existence of the entire cosmos and then we'll be looking forward to a glorified body that we'll be able to interact with Jesus Christ and God the Father on the brand new heaven, a brand new earth where I go to so often because it's one of my favorite sections of the Word of God in Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The family of God. To be like Jesus Christ. To be like him for eternity. Whatever he chooses to be, and to be like him. I mean, that is so awesome. Let's read that one again there in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Be like Jesus Christ for eternity and have that glorified body and that brand new, beautiful, huge earth and all the wondrous creations anew So much to look forward to. It is so awesome. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for your word. So encouraging when we look into here and we find the little bits and pieces of the clues of the mystery that we still don't know all of it yet, but we know one day you will reveal it to us. Encourage us with what you have given us and help us to go out and have the boldness to share that with others out there as well so they can be looking forward to that glorified body that you teach us about We thank you so much for all of it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you.